motherfucker, we have like one minute left of recording on this. You, you fucking ass. <laughs> it's all right. The first aeon, I was the great spirit. In the second aeon, men knew me as the horned god, pangenitor, panthage. In the third aeon, I was the dark one, the devil. In the fourth aeon, men knew me not, for I am the hidden one. In the fifth aeon, I appear before you as Baphomet, the god before all gods who shall endure to the end of the earth. In this new aeon, I appear to you as C.M.N. Imagine that there is a brilliant white light just above is commentary on the magic art in the year of the primal form the dawn of terrestrial birth. Oh, that was very educational. Now magic will take place. Don't be fooled by what I just said. Welcome, welcome, everyone. I am Sound Monkey Kennedy, and this is Chaos Magic News, the only podcast that doesn't have a joke this week. Joining me, as always, is my subnautical co-host, Lames Cameron. Yep, yep, that's about the laugh I expected from that joke. How you doing, Lames? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Uh, can't complain yet. Oh, uh, also joining us this week, we have two very special guests. We have Louie back again. Hey, Louie. And we also have somebody who got mentioned on the pod last time Louie was on, Josh. How's it going, Josh? Hello, I'm doing good. How you guys doing? Well, we already answered that, so we're good. (laughs) Everyone's doing good. Changed in the last 30 seconds, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Your identity's permanent or... (laughs) there's no unconditioned reality so i guess since we had louis on before and we haven't had josh though we did get a little bit of your background i get we wanted to open this week by talking about kind of how you got started and maybe branch into a greater discussion of how everyone gets started in magic actually wait before before we start with josh i was thinking we would start this week by um co-host sharing uh, his occupation and full name and residential address. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, I live in Chicago. My real name is. <laughs> what's your social security number? It is five five three seven two eight. And, and your blood type and how many kidneys you have? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Well, I only have one kidney because y'all have gotten me with that before. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry. Hold on, quick question from Louie. Suppose you woke up in a bathtub full of ice. What's your next move? Um, Probably praying to the true almighty God. Um, (laughs) (laughs) One, the the single, one true monotheistic Abrahamic Lord. Amen. Yes, yes. Can we get an amen from everyone right now? Amen and our women. All right. Great. So, Josh, <laughs> I, I think I got started actually by going to church. Uh, I had a ton of people telling me, "Do not practice magic," which, of course, 
made me very curious about what magic is. And uh, it wasn't though until I found chaos magic that I like actually started practicing and and trying things. Uh, yeah, how that, did you discover chaos magic exactly? Uh, well, I've been reading about everything you would you would think uh, besides chaos magic. So Golden Dawn stuff, kind of like the post Victorian era magic, and I don't know. There's something about that that you know, feel like you're you're joining a club you don't belong to yet. So I never really, I never found any like actual temples or, or people. It was just all through reading. Um, but then chaos magic kind of changed that for me because it you know kind of broke down what's what's underlying. Uh, uh, underlying magic there without all the the, the trapping so kind of got me and this, uh, was, getting and this was through yeah. largely through the internet was did you find a book yeah it was well you know it was like probably like years and years of reading anything you could find in a bookshelf in a bookshop so like stuff on wicca golden dawn stuff right then starting to look a little more on the internet which that's that's exactly how i found chaos magic and, and kind of like the community that that had existed that i had no idea what was there for many years beforehand uh okay okay yeah kind of and, and getting the shame in that if it, if it wasn't for the internet one this show wouldn't exist too i probably wouldn't know shit about magic and i i think pretty much all four of us here you know we have the internet to thank for our large understanding of the occult yeah I mean, if it wasn't true, why would it be on the internet? Right? <laughs> yeah. You think people would just go on the internet and lie? <laughs> but so as, as far as your, uh, your, your branching out and finally saying, all right, now that I understand chaos magic as this underlying thing, what, where was your, what was your first step? How did you go from, all right, I'm going to read about this to, all right, I'm going to practice this now. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I tried a few different things, uh, mostly Golden Dawn stuff, Lesser Banishing of the Ritual, Pendag uh, Pentagram Ritual, all that kind of classic stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, it was actually really looking at, at the relationship between magic and mysticism that made me actually want to start practicing, because I think I, I had held off kind of sort of finding the middle ground between a religious practice and, like, uh, I, I, knowing that I could have agency that, you know, in, in, in a magical way. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just started actually setting aside the time to meditate and, and reading uh, Libra Null uh, and Psychonaut, and that kind of gave me the impetus to actually be a little more disciplined with it. All right, okay. So right off the bat, I'll ask, if maybe not the first magic operation that you did or something like that, but do you have sort of a, a ritual or a, a working that you participated in that was sort of the the switch flipping of like, oh no, there's actually something to this. That that one was more exploration of psychedelics of uh, ah. you know, yeah. kind of going down that route and realizing that uh, there is more more to this than what meets the eye. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I it's hard to pinpoint one specific thing uh, without getting like I guess overly personal. Uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, it's hard. hard, hard it's uh, very personal. Give us your social security <laughs> number. What's your yeah. <laughs> I actually have to, a question. Um, did you had tried psychedelics before psychedelics unlocked your uh, realization that there is like some water to this? I no, no, no. no. Or, I definitely. Or were, were, did you discover things about chaos, magic, and mysticism, and then take psychedelics for the first time after that, and then make the connection? No, no, because I didn't know about like chaos magic until 
many years of experimenting with psychedelics. So I, I okay, that's, yeah, so that's why I was bringing up like that like magic versus mysticism. I think initially I was more interested in what would be like a mystical path, uh, I, I guess by definition, which we could talk about like the actual definitions of them because kind of a, right. a sore point for me. Um, but, but, uh, but yeah, looking at the, so I'd, I'd been meditating, been taking psychedelics, knowing something was there. And okay. then, then through reading and researching, finding really was Libra Null was of course, classically like the, the first thing I was like, Oh wait, okay. I can, I don't have to subscribe to a uh, pre-existing dogma. Um, I can kind of personally craft it to my own, what works for me. Uh, yeah. I, I don't have to fall into like, to join this club that already exists that I'm, you know, not a part of, but I'm going to kind of force my way into. Right, right. Um, and I think that's what got me into like actually practicing and deciding like, I'm going to, th- then I'm going to see if it actually works. And, and I started with like sigil magic and having a few successes with that, uh, using, using psychedelics to, uh, to, to kind of kickstart some divinatory, uh, moments. And I think it was over a long period of time. It's, it's hard to pinpoint like one specific event that was like the, uh, can't get the toothpaste back into the toothpaste tube. But. <laughs> okay. Well, you can if you use suction. But, yeah. <laughs> but it's well, very long. I, I will no, say I, that. No, no, no. I've I, been talking too much. You go ahead. I've always thinking that. But anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely get the feeling of the, um, the big club that you're not in with a lot of the Western esoteric tradition. That was a lot of what I got. Like, and I'm a very big Golden Dawn, Thalema kind of person now. At the time when I first saw it, it was a very much like, not only was it, it was, not only was it like an, a, um, a pseudo-religious kind of feel to it, where it was like, I'm not really sure I'm into this because it seems like I have to swallow a lot of, a lot of God pills that I had already kind of, gotten overtaking from you know like growing up catholic and stuff like that like yeah. all right i'm done with that kind of shit but sure, there's, sure. there's also like a social element too where just something about reading about a lot of like bougie fucking english guys talking about magic kind of makes you feel a little weird when you're looking into it you're like i like i get it but like i'm i'm not sure if i'm like i, I don't have a trust fund i'm not sure i can dedicate my life to just waving around wands and shit it's the type of yeah. shit that makes it sound like you're you got to have like a sponsor or something but but it's interesting that now you said you you've kind of come back to that golden dawn post victorian era magic with with different eyes so i think that's what that's kind of what chaos magic does where uh it's kind of like a gateway drug of magic oh yeah um, definitely you in but then you go and it provides you a lens to then go back and reevaluate those other things you maybe dismissed or or kind of find some some gems in in, in the rubble there oh yeah i think the gordon white you know chaos magic as the big airport lots of people coming and going nobody stays is sort of appropriate to that mm-hmm. where at the very least the people that start in chaos magic or even the people that do find chaos magic and stay there very much you end up circling back to things that you might have thought at one time were hokey or maybe things that you just didn't understand at the time. And it gives you, mm. it does give you that, uh, that grounding of like, all right, I can understand the rest of these systems through this particular meta system, you know? Isn't that like an archetype for like, like, like throughout all of life? Like I can look back, I watch The Simpsons now, and I'm like, "Wow, that's funnier than it was when I was seven. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. There's a certain level of experience and knowledge that you didn't realize you didn't have at the time, and then you go back and you're like, "Oh, I get this now." 
this is, you know, it's like, yeah. gee, okay. I, I didn't realize, or, you know, I guess the perfect example is like when you go back and watch a children's show and you realize that the joke that got snuck in for the parents that were watching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that, that's awesome. Cause it kind of cuts to the ethos of chaos magic, which is uh, a little less talk, a little more walk and, and just kind of do it. And if it works, stick with it. If it doesn't, yada, yada. Um, yeah, 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 that's absolutely. the empowering thing about chaos magic is because it doesn't require you to get good at anything. If it doesn't work for you, you're well within your right to just be like, you know what, this shit is a bunch of hokum and I'm done with it. <laughs> well, what, what really defines chaos magic though? Then, like, what, when is is someone in the Golden Dawn? Are they not doing? Are they doing chaos magic? Just they're using a very specific system that maybe they never think about changing or, or augmenting. We've we've talked about this a lot, I think. I I don't know what co-host thinks on this, and I'll let you say, but I always feel like the big thing about chaos magic, and especially in the like the current age where we're like 40 years removed from people like Carol and you know, like Phil Hine is still putting out books and you know, um Gordon White's still around, but a lot of the people that were the bigger names aren't exactly the people that get read. You know, I, I think more than anything, people come to chaos magic now, just sort of like from like memes and shit almost, or just mm-hmm. like very simple, like things of like, Oh, Hey, here's how you do a sigil. And you just sort of fall into it. So a lot of the heavier theory ideas behind it are very removed. The only thing that really unites chaos magicians in any kind of way now is pragmatism. That's hmm. literally the only thing that I've come up with. It's no, it's a group true. of people that decide that if you that you can do all sorts of random different things, and as long as it's getting you a result of some kind, it's it's valid. Without sounding too pretentious or whatever, I mean, it'll it'll be hard for me because I sound pretentious all the time. I think the the thing about chaos magic is that it requires a certain level of self awareness, where in the the old Zen saying of before enlightenment chop wood carry water after enlightenment chop wood carry water but the chopping of the wood and the carrying of the water for the enlightened is not the same as the chopping of wood and carrying of water for the unenlightened there's just a certain level of awareness or understanding that comes with it not that like chaos magicians are instantly like more aware and better at magic and everything else than say like a golden dawn or a particularly good Wiccan person. But when you're coming at it with that approach, you do have a slight leg up because you're coming with the understanding of this is not this, the pure objective truth of magic. I can make other systems work. I just need to understand how the system works. If that makes yeah. sense, but, and then and then and then I think walking that walk, you know, gains you a certain perspective over time that allows you to alter the nature of your intent, and then makes everything else more effective. Absolutely, getting good in one particular system can be just as useful, if not more useful, than getting good. You know, jack of all trades, master of none. I guess. Yeah. Hmm. I guess if you build it yourself uh, to a certain extent, like it, it'll take longer. You might fuck up along the way, but you end up with something that's like yours at the end of the day. And, th- and then from there, you can kind of do whatever the hell you want with it. But yeah, yeah, sure. There's something about having something tailor made to your own ability to operate, I guess. Right. Maybe that's a good way of phrasing it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but at the same time, there's also the thing of you have to know the rules before you break them. 
Oh yeah, mm-hmm. well you'll learn them. You know, if if you're trying to make a couch and you make a really shitty couch, you've learned a lot of lessons about how to make a couch. True. Yeah, just by how That's painful true. your ass is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All these splinters are every splinter is a lesson. Make sure the upholstery tacks are going inwards. <laughs> I just, you know, I just had to try it outwards. <laughs> I, 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 I had to know. I had to know. <laughs> uh, um, I will say I oh god no 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 go no, no no I I talk no, no you go ahead uh, uh, <laughs> no no no, no you, go go you you go, go inside right. <laughs> we've never had four people on the pod at once give me a break we're not doing <laughs> anyway that. um I think the mysticism angle is really interesting in chaos magic because I think it's something that's really it's not talked about as much because. Because of the nature of chaos magic, mysticism sort of gets the tail end of like, oh, well, yeah, you can have all sorts of different kind of experiences. They don't mean anything. And that's, I, 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 have, a, I have a slight issue with that. It's just something that I feel is, you know, like I said, the, the, the entire, the pragmatism behind chaos magic makes a lot of the mystical experience get kind of like, you know, poo-pooed as it were. It's like, you know, who, yeah. who fucking cares? They're not mutually exclusive, though. I feel like, why are you gatekeeping somebody's personal experiences now? Like, that's that's <laughs> that's rubbish to me. You know? Oh God, yeah. I mean, like, agreed. Yeah. No, I'm, I, and I know that you're not saying that that's how it is, but well, a lot of people do look at it like that. I, I think I'm guilty of that every once in a while. We're all here. Somebody talking about I had such a deep personal spiritual experience, or I took uh, I I took all these psychotropics, and it was so deep and powerful. And then there's part of me that's going like, yeah, but what's it doing for you on a practical level? Is it changing how you're living your life? Is it changing how you look at the world? Or was it just like a, a kooky experience? Because if you can't pick that experience up and carry it into the world, what good is it? It's something for your fucking dream journal. That, yeah, that could be a reflection on their ability to integrate it or your, their ability to like squeeze juice out of it. Um, but like, if you you can spin that into, like, I I hate to repeat myself, but again, like an altered perspective that can augment or change your intent to be more powerful when you go back and try other stuff. You can come away with like an understanding that affects how else you conduct whatever it is that you're doing. Oh yeah, and I I I think um there's a certain like utilitarian kind of aspect that co- co-host is kind of getting at there. This idea that you have to get something out of it almost. And I don't sure. necessarily think that's the case. It's sometimes you have a mystical experience and it might not, you know, you might not go out and fucking, you know, become a prophet or go spread the good news. And you, it might not do anything other than kind of give you, like you said, like a new perspective. And it may not even be one that makes you go and change your whole fucking life, but it can be something that's useful. It can be something that has meaning to you. And I think nowadays where we're living in a culture that's increasingly devoid of meaning on a personal level for a lot of a lot of us i think that's something that's really important and i'll even put a point against myself too because talking in the same way that josh was talking about of these sort of uh culminative experiences in the same way that sitting around meditating can be the those small steps that get you to the larger thing those kinds of experiences can add up over a long period of time and do something for you. I just know that sometimes I'm a, I'm a catty little bitch and I hear people and I'm like, eh, let me say something mean or let me, or at least I'm very least I'm thinking it. 
but nah, I, I hear you. Well, my, my brain does that too. Oh, that's why I kind of like wonder why uh, magic and mysticism are always kind of discussed as as divorced from one another. Because I think that having a, at least like an interest or, or some type of vocabulary to work with what is commonly described as as you know, mysticism or mystical experiences only makes your magic better because now you, if we look at belief being like, uh, you know, that kind of typical chaos magic view, belief being sort of uh, like fuel, then if you're, if there's more meaning behind what you're doing, you only have more belief and you're only just improving your magic regardless of, of, of any other metaphysics you apply to it. Right, and I feel like disregarding that is almost like as stubborn as like staunch atheism kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it flirts with nihilism because then yes. your, meaning, your magic has no meaning. So what's the point anyway? So might as well just whatever the fuck. And I, I, and I, I I'm like, I'm not into that. I've, I've never lived <laughs> separating the two of them, but um, that might be that that might well, be a testament to how many synchronicities that uh, co-host mentioned that I've just somehow generated, like not even. Not even fully intentionally. Sometimes oh, yeah. it just yeah, because Louis Louis's got loads of stories that are just like, oh yeah, and then this, these twelve funny coincidences laid on top of each other to get this to happen, and it's like I wasn't even trying to do it; it just happened. But uh, yeah, man, that sucks, dude. Like Louis's getting the good synchronicities. You want to know the synchronicity I got before this? Was the point? Um, I was I was listening to the last episode, oh. and we got to the part where we're talking about the Temperance card, and then I go to the Discord and I see Grimace, <laughs> the, the Grimace, the tarot Grimace card. tarot card, and it's Temperance, and I'm like, oh yeah, funny universe, really clever. I really like this. That's uh, good. Some shit about a frog, right? Oh yeah. Is that is that just uh, me? Yeah. Yeah, you're the okay, only one with the frog stuff, right? Uh, now. Okay, never never mind. You know, I, I have one more thing to say because Louie was hinting at it a little bit. That idea of taking psychedelics before you were a spooky woo-woo and not, and you know, just having the psychedelic experience then versus like the post spooky woo-woo and then doing psychedelics because I had done, <laughs> I had done uh, psychedelics for a, a good portion of my teenage years. And it was really what was your what's your name and address oh, again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna report you to the president of the United States. <laughs> but no, but I had done those and like I was honestly in a weird way, I was expecting to like take a tab of acid and have uh, God on the other end and being like, Oh, hey, there you are. I was, you know, I, they were telling me to go to church, but I knew that. Obviously, the answer was to do strange chemicals from a stranger's bathtub. But what happened was that I, I did have a moment after I'd already I had gotten into meditation. I had gotten into alternative spiritualities. I, I had a little bit of magic. And then I had listened to Robert Anton Wilson give a lecture on the Eighth Circuit model of consciousness, right? And I hadn't touched any kind of illicit substance for you know, years at that point, because I was like, yeah, the, you know, the drugs aren't the answer either. But listening sure, to him yeah. talk was like, shit, I need to do something. <laughs> so I, uh, <laughs> I, I basically, you know, I had a night where I combined what I had learned from meditation and magic with the psychedelics. And I had a very powerful experience that I look at as that's when at the very least, that that is where the, the event that I can point to where I am at now. It's like this is what set me on the path that I am now. The night you cooked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The night I woke up in a bathtub full of ice. 
and a note saying call call in a uh, call in a hospital. <laughs> Most of my psychedelic experiences before getting into any sort of mysticism or magic were in hindsight very like I can see how I got here, but at the time I think I was just high as shit, honestly. Like my big thing is after the first time I tried acid, I could finally write songs. I was like, you know, I'd been playing guitar for years, and every time I tried to write a song, I was like, this is garbage. This is shit. This is shit. Kept, and then on the come down from hot cross and- buns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then on the come down, I wrote the first song that I was like, this is good. And then I played it for other people. I'm like, yeah, that's not bad, which is more than I had ever gotten before, where they're like, this is incoherent. This is cr- hot yeah, cross buns. Is good. <laughs> this remix of hot cross buns is shit. But the air horn's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> the DJ Clue air horn with the hot cross bun. No, no, it's different. The air horn, it's different. <laughs> air, hot cross buns, but it's just a vocoded air horn. We the best. <laughs> All, right. All right. Does that pass for an intro topic? I think so. Barely. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if we've made it to the int- through the intro topic, then we all know what time that is. Is it time to, to lose? It's it's about already? it's about seven fifty five. Is is what time it is? PM p- p- Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> <laughs> Just my address is. <laughs> no, it's it's time to ask what's in the What is in the news in deep? Oh, God. Amen. This bit gets longer every fucking time. (laughs) It's for the one true God, okay? God and Joyer. Jesus Christ, who died for me on the cross and died for you. So. And and he's just waiting for you to turn back to him. He's waiting with open arms for you to repent. Yep. No, um, you you guys have done all of this magic occulty shit, and you've made God very sad. But He's waiting for you to come back. Okay, He's right there. That's very encouraging. Um, you have a pamphlet? <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave it uh, stapled to your door. <laughs> oh man, actually happened to me. What? Fucking stapled to my like they had a staple gun, and they were like, "All right, this is a door." Home <laughs> Depot. Gun? Yes, like an industrial. It's like what the. They don't even knock. They're just like. And you're I, like what was that? I, I wasn't home. I wasn't home when it happened, but it was stuck to my fucking door. Like, and which which sect? Whatever was this? Mormons. <laughs> See, God Mormons damn. are so used to getting told, "No, I don't want to talk to you." They're just like, "Well, fuck it. We're not asking anymore." <laughs> yeah, they don't even send out two people anymore. They just send out one guy with a Home Depot staple gun <laughs> in a truck and and, and a high vis uh, worker's vest. But <laughs> you think it's something else? Yeah, you think he's the fucking electrician coming to read your meter? <laughs> oh man. Even though we've already gone off the rails on it, I'll just say it. The most awkward one of those I ever had was I was like at I was just pumping gas and this little old lady walked up to me 
And she was like, hey, excuse me. And I thought she was going to like ask me like to like move my car a little bit so she could pull in or something. Or yeah, something like that. And she just like, I want to give this to you. And then just handed me a pamphlet. And I just kind of immediately like reached and grabbed it. I was like, oh, thank you. But there was the, the trash can right next to me. And my brain didn't like do the whole like wait until she walks away thing. I just took it and threw it away. And I wasn't even trying to be that dick. Like I wasn't trying to do like my brain just went on autopilot. I'm like, thank you. And she just looked at me, didn't say anything, and then walked away. And I was like, oh, I I I meant to do that after I was done pumping gas. And you can't do that in somebody's face. Then she came back with the staple gun. <laughs> and put it in his forehead. <laughs> Holy fuck. Yeah. Throw this um, one away. <laughs> <laughs> so we have news to talk about, I heard. Do we? Yeah. We, yeah. Was that in the news? <laughs> <laughs> Crazed evangelist with staple guns roaming the country. <laughs> um, no, so um, I guess the first thing we want to talk about, you want to talk about the submersible? Jesus Christ. There was a submersible? What, what happened? <laughs> well... Explain it to me like I've been living under a rock or, or at the bottom of the ocean. Oh, that should be easy. Is that why you're all pruned up and wet? <laughs> no, it's because we had to turn the air conditioning off. <laughs> okay. Um, so, I, I mean, I, everyone knows about this already. There was a submersible. There was a company that was uh, offering to take billionaires and, well, not billionaires, taking very wealthy people to go see the Titanic. And I know what you're thinking, like, you know, like, oh, go see Titanic. That's cool. You know, it's kind of a long movie, but if you could see it in theaters, no, my friends, we're talking about seeing the boat itself at the, the bottom of the ocean, where if you saw the movie Titanic, you know, that's where that's where it is. Yeah, it was kind of a media sensation for a, a little while. They got lost, obviously. And um, there was all sorts of things. A three hour tour. A three. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> what is that from again? Gilligan's Isle. Yeah. Gilligan's Island, right. Okay, wonderful. How did I know that? Well, I didn't. That's why I asked. Anyway. Um what, what, when you say like not quite billionaires, what do what were their net worths? Uh I don't know off the top of my head. I know like, most of them of, were a couple of them were like two of them were billionaires, a couple of them were in the the milli, the the couple millions. So the hundred to several hundred million. I believe. I believe. So, so is, that, is that like? Oh, they're not. They're not pedophiles. They're minor attracted persons. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! Oh <laughs> man, just oh, just equate geez. those two. Um, just lump that's them so together. Fucking, that's Epstein so funny. Island. <laughs> What's on the black book? Oh um, man. Yeah. So anyway, now, as now you guys, you're glad they died, right? <laughs> I guess that kind of I guess that kind of gets to the point of like what I think is the most newsworthy thing about this is the fact that like everyone suddenly had a massive opinion on when it's okay to joke about shit and when it's wrong to joke about shit because there's yes. tons of people that I know were really really loving the idea of people with massive amounts of money dying. I know I was making jokes about it, but you know, I, I joke about everything. Yeah, but joking about it is like different than like wishing death upon them. I feel like I mean it's it was definitely even if you're joking about it too early, like that's that could be. I, I care to distinguish that from being vindictive. Um, that you know, I, I, I while I disagree with many systematic things, I can't say that I wish death on too many people. I mean, depending on what they've done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like these guys didn't seem like they were. I, but again, 
I have no idea. You know, there's very few people that I think just deserve to die without being uh, heard. You know, so well, it's a uh, it's crazy when like group mentality is like, yeah, fuck those guys. Like, you know, maybe, but I, I don't think know. they all got eaten by great white sharks. Like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, my problem, right? Is that my, my yeah, the orcas thing. That I love that the orca thing happened right at this around the same time, so that it just synced up personally for me. Right, my issues with billionaires in general won't be solved by five of them ending up dead at the bottom of the ocean. So I wasn't. But we like, get yeah. all of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Them down there, maybe, but not really, because we still have a system that produce. You know that sort of thing. But, no, yeah, obviously. But, but you know, I, I too, is that anybody who looked at this situation and thought that there was a a like a high likelihood that these guys were going to be saved was deluding themselves. Like, yeah, I knew right off the bat that it's like these guys are probably dead, <laughs> and if we don't hear about it in a couple of hours that these guys were found, they're dead. And right. it's even worse than that because. The Navy was already talking about, yeah, we heard something that was consistent with an implosion. So they, we probably already had a good idea that they were dead before we yeah. spent $7 well, million dollars searching for them. That's the distinction I was going to make is like, you know, if they're lost, yeah, it's possible that you might have found them. But if, if they imploded, I don't know, you know, yeah. who's, who's $7 million is it? The, the tax. Then that's my next question. <laughs> the taxpayers' dollar. Okay. Yeah. Well, then maybe maybe save it. Yeah, I don't know. I think the big thing here really is just how many people were. Because what was it? It was a, a another a ship full of um was it refugees? Like yeah, I can't even fucking remember that. Yeah, a ship full of refugees also just like got lost and they all died and stuff. And people oh. use that as like justification, like oh yeah, like this wasn't a news headline at all. I'm like yeah, because objectively it's not as catchy of a story i'm sorry it's a tragedy but like yeah. you, you really yeah, think that like here's, here's the difference submarine like, going to the titanic disappears yeah it was like the, the the news used to be like you know good morning and then lists a bunch of reasons it's not a good morning and it's all tragedies right and then but like now i think they realize that tr even though tragedies um hook people like watching a slow plane crash more than good news does they realize what sells even more than tragedies is outrage and like mm -hmm. or, or or like revelry and mm -hmm. getting to like dunk on billionaires that died in a, in a very expensive submarine trip it like encourages that revelry that feeds into commonly held political beliefs that are adjacent to selling self-righteous outrage um, and generate more clicks and things like that, which is which at the end of the day really comes down to all like how do we connect the c collective pop culture psyche to ad revenue through marketing <laughs> or through yeah. like what yeah. branding is news mm -hmm. and like obviously that one is going to get more ad revenue than the refugees, I guess. So like I'm sure that if you Google it, somebody somewhere published it. It just probably didn't get a ton of airtime on like TV. Yeah, well, cause especially because it's happening at the same time as ship full of fucking rich people went to go see the Titanic, and now it's missing. Oh, if it was literally at the same time, then, like, I mean, there's yeah. really no kind of there. Well, <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty the of things that happen. is that there aren't nearly as many jokes to make about the immigrant boat as there are the submersible. Yeah, I mean, if you're a real piece of... You can make loads of jokes about that. 
isn't it weird though that like two two um I don't know if congruence is the right word, but like two very similar situations that have a very distinct difference both happened at the same exact time. Mm-hmm. Like what what are the odds of that? Unless I guess boats probably crash more often than those two things. But like really talk about like a literal, like straight out of a textbook devil's advocate. Like, oh yeah, like it was it's, like it's, problem uh, example, like like practically. Yeah, if you if you want to put on your tinfoil hat and connect the fucking threads on the board, that's a great one for you. You know what I mean? Oh, like, uh, that's not even what I was getting at. Oh, okay. Motion takes two at the same time. <laughs> uh, celebrity deaths come in threes. Nautical accidents come in twos. Got it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Hold uh, on, let me get a pen. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Josh, you have any major opinions on the uh, the submersible blowing up? Imploding, rather? Only major uh, opinions. I, I, you, can't, <laughs> you can't say, I, I don't know. You have to be staunch and adamant about one point of view and not say something way. controversial. It has to be black uh, or white, yeah, no grays. Really, they sh- probably shouldn't have been down there. Not not how they were. That's it's unarguable. Oh yeah, well we didn't even touch on the fact that like they like were told by one of the contractors that like this is not this is going to end badly and then they fired him apparently. There was that, and then there was also um, the fact, not that they used a controller, because, like, the Army uses, like, controllers for drones, but apparently the controller they used was particularly cheap. Like, why not get, like, a scuff custom, like, (laughs) balls-out controller? (laughs) (laughs) They used the Wildcat Turbo controller. (laughs) That's a good question. Josh asked if it's a maiden voyage. No, no, it isn't. Oh, it's not? Okay. No, because they had been doing this for uh, a couple years but, so it was like the roller coaster. Okay. It was like the creaky roller coaster that they're like, we really yeah. know we need to fix this. Yeah, it, it but was, send it around. This it, tragedy was a matter of time. It just happened. Yeah. They, they, so okay. So they were like, we'll use the five million dollars total admission revenue for this one trip to fix it next time. Yeah. <laughs> instead, they spent it on a uh, more Logitech cocaine strippers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, now there is one more thing that I'll add to this that isn't really news, but this is the spooky woo woo end of it. I saw a, uh, well, this, this will sound shitty. I saw somebody on TikTok talking about the idea that this was part of a, uh, magical initiation for one of the billionaires involved because, they had also gone to space and they were also really wealthy. So they said, what this is, is that this is them ascending the Sephirot, then going into the void. And then finally the, the clip off was the descent into the ocean. But there's examples where like when they ascended the tree, the, the tree of life, that was, that was uh, expressed by them getting all of this money. And then I, my brain shut off instantly when I heard that where it's like, yeah, man, that idea of spiritual attainment, you getting to the top of Kether, it's about getting a bunch of money. Yeah. What, what, part answer, of TikTok, what part of TikTok was this? This, this is clearly about, she's a demon. She, she was literally like, I'm a demonologist and I work with demons all the time. And it just sounded like okay, some well, per- well, perfect. Predicate everything you're about to say on an ad hominem argument, like as if that's not a well documented <laughs> I, okay. I, don't, I don't like, I literally don't care if you, if, if anybody likes this woman's TikTok, if anybody has anything great to say about this woman. I'm happy for you. I listened to her. She sounded like some some silly nonsense. 
And I stand by what I said, that if your idea of ascending the Sephiroth and getting up to the crown in, in the, uh, the Kabbalistic system is expressed by you having a bunch of money, you've missed the boat. You, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, what a nonsense foundation for an argument. But like those clear, that's clearly marketing. She probably makes those TikToks all the time that are topical to, to some sort of esoteric practice. And she's just like, when's my next content opportunity? Since I have to make one of these every day or, or at least every week, well, I'm going to make it about a pop cultural topic even if I have to like totally make some bullshit up. Well, that's like the problem with the culture in general is like a lot of it is driven by what's, what's going to sell versus like what, what might be important for people to read or anything. Like yeah. That. You've been in the fucking, there's an occult section in Barnes and Noble. I mentioned last time there's like Harry Potter looking illustrations on the front of a glossy hardcover book about like how to work a pendulum. And it's like, you're a witch if you, you say you are. And like, yes, that's true. But like the, the I just, the marketing was like too accessible and too, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean that's the whole point. It's, I mean, well, and that's the that's the other issue we talked about with about um occult books before is that like every occult book is like a beginner's text because that those are the people who go out and buy the most books. People that have no clue what the fuck's going on with magic, they're like, well, how yeah, do we get into this sort of thing? Most of fucking Barnes and Nobles for chaos magic. <laughs> Where else are you gonna go? Where are the, where's the little mom and pop occult bookstore nowadays? Yeah, that's true. There's an apothecary uh, near near here that I got um, Chicken Kabbalah by Lon Malo Duquette. Oh, interesting. But, um, yeah, other than that, really nowhere. Yeah. yeah. There's a handful of them. You know, you, there's a handful of them. There's a little place in uh, Detroit that I go to that's kind of like that. Uh, anyway, so what else we got, co-host? What, what else we got in the news? We could talk about the Supreme Court's shenanigans yeah i mean that stuff the, the, you know why are we play by those rules that's all made up anyway we like i can push them down the stairs you know, like, <laughs> you know? the why great political equalizer stairs yeah. well in, yeah. in the vein of like two uh two uh, congruent news stories going on in tandem. It's great that a lot of these incredibly controversial rulings are coming out right as the large amount of uh, unethical behavior and uh, let's just call it what it is, bribery that's going on with the Supreme Court justices is coming out. <laughs> you know, where it's like... Yeah, well. yeah. I mean, it, it's not surprising, I don't suppose, but it's... Um, <laughs> It is interesting how it's like, yeah, uh, a lot of these justices are getting private jet rides and, you know, getting trips financed from these large uh, conservative mega donors. And they're they're ruling in a largely conservative way. Hmm. Those two correlated, right? <laughs> you, you be the judge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's awful. It took me a moment. I, I feel stupid for not realizing uh, that's awful. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, I'm sorry for you. Yeah, you did that on a recording too. Just gonna, <laughs> just gonna flip this table over real quick. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, I as as far as the actual decisions, I don't, I don't even really care to be completely honest. Like, what were the ones that got thrown out? Um, I know, I know the affirmative action in college admissions one, which you know. Ugh. I don't have enough information to say what good that really did to begin with, to be completely frank. I don't know if it 
had any major effect on college admissions to begin with, to be completely honest. So I'm not really, I don't know enough to really have an opinion on it, but I know the other big one was, what was it? a, A concrete manufacturer basically got told that they were allowed to sue the union in like a huge upset. Yep. That's another one. And then also the religious freedoms of a web designer who says that they were, they were being sued because they were coerced into trying to make a website for a gay couple and they didn't agree with it. Although it seems to be, and I can't confirm this a hundred percent, but it seems to be that this case was a, uh, largely a fabrication to be able to get it in front of the courts so that it could set a legal precedent. So it's literally just weaponized legalities. That's really shitty. Oh yeah, yeah. But as we we live in a society now where do we 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 live in a society? society. (laughs) Never mind. I'm gonna flip this table again. Um, Uh, No, but we we like for real. Our our entire legal system is basically anything is legal as long as a lawyer or justice can do the linguistic backflips required to justify it. And with as far as the Supreme court's concerned, they can just, you know, no one, most people, the average Joe is not equipped to argue the, uh, the multi-layered legal system of, and, you know, decades and decades of legal precedents. And the problem is it doesn't even matter because basically a Supreme court justice can decide, yeah, that legal precedent that was wrong in the first place. And then just throw it the fuck out. So it doesn't, yeah. Like it really doesn't matter where it's like, that's why we should just push them down yeah, the stairs. Yeah, we, should like, just, we should just take them to the Joe Biden, Mitch McConnell stair emporium. And there's no camera. And when's the last time you saw a camera in a staircase? <laughs> <laughs> Even if there was, all you crazy. need to do is just keep pushing judges down the stairs till they say, <laughs> uh, we have found a legal precedent for the stair pushing to be legal. I didn't say any of that. I, like the collectively like, society. We, Where the society know. that we live in? To push yeah. down the stairs. Don't make me flip the right. table. Great. <laughs> that's and that's a reference to our one true God, Jesus Christ. Um, what else do we have? Oh, we didn't. We this happened in between episodes too. There was the, I don't even know what you want to call it. I guess it was a coup attempt. Maybe, maybe it was just a a, a Russian. Mercenary oh, going nuts. Uh, a a yeah. lot of hippity hoopla. That was the, over in the Russian Ukraine border. When you hire mercenaries, you know, they, they're not loyal to God and country. They're, you know, they're loyal to uh, the dollar. And then, like, you know, if you, either if you can't pay or if you make them do something that's too fucked up, they might just be like, yeah, I'm not really down with this. Yeah, I mean, think think of your mercenary like your Burger King employee. Like, you know, you, you tell them to go clean up the fucking toilet after someone hit, you know, hit all the grimace shakes in there. You know, they they might just walk out. How how much is the money really worth to them? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I am speaking with absolutely no knowledge as to why that happened. Um. And I haven't watched any of the translated videos of, of the leader's message to whoever, but pretty neat. I, I always get a little excited when, when anybody storms, uh, you know, some sort of bureaucratic whatever, <laughs> depending on why. <laughs> yeah, it really depends on why. Especially, like January 6th, especially if you're planning on throwing someone downstairs, right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, it depends who and why. Like January sixth, not too cool for That's me. True. Like it could it could have been cool if <laughs> both sides were doing it for different reasons. <laughs> Josh, but, uh, you're you being know. very quiet. I need you to. I, I need to hear you say how many Russian officials do you think you could throw downstairs? Like, uh, I can just take at least four of them with like a wide bear hug if I really get some momentum going. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. And how, how old? They would have to be like seventy-five. Plus. You know seventy-five. Does, does that add up? Uh, so, so say it, come again. I'm sorry. You know him on a personal level. Does does that track? Do you think? Yeah. Do you think four is a fair assessment? Four seventy-five year olds. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. He he works with geriatrics, so uh, he knows how to. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, get that line. <laughs> you know, and this is Russia we're talking about too. So they probably would be about that age. Totally different thing. What, like, as if we don't have 75-year-old representatives? I mean, true facts. We, that's the, I think our, our average might be a little older now that I think about it. Yeah, I think so. I think we're, again, choosing between 78-year-olds or as president, like, bro. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not, not that I don't uh, respect what my elders have to say, but that's just a whole different thing. I don't feel particularly represented by somebody that's uh, going to croak within 10 years telling me how I'm going to live the next 50. Yeah. I mean, you're the type of motherfuckers that should be having their opinions about how much of this tapioca pudding is going to end up in their lap should not be dictating whether or not anyone can get an abortion or get married or anything like that. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Uh, actually, you know what? Maybe nobody should like really decide that stuff. Oh, if we man, have to worry about a radical approach, wouldn't it? Maybe we could all just mind our own fucking business. <laughs> Isn't like the one, the one figurehead a little antiquated, like, but I don't know. I mean, anyway, I, I don't know. I, I think that one figurehead is kind of important and his, his name is Jesus Christ. Yeah, this is true. There is. <laughs> a, amen. Um, amen. Oh, uh, mighty, uh, all grace, something, whoever. Oh man. Um, yeah. So geez, I guess we need like a parrot headline after like the heavy news hitting of all the ridiculous shit that happened in like the last two We've weeks. We've got like three radically large news stories of like, you know, cause the, the Russians, the, <laughs> The Russian coup was like a big thing politically that kind of just fizzled out. The submersible was like a big thing in the terms of media spectacle. And then the Supreme Court thing, at least if you're an American, has very broad, long lasting yes. consequences. So it kind of hits the trifecta. So we really need a thing of like a dog playing a violin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the, and that's not the first time that happened with the Supreme Court stuff. It, uh, that was like also happened pretty, pretty bad, like six months ago. It's happening again. Yeah, well, you know, you notice that the Supreme Court does that. They make really controversial decisions and then they wait like for the media circus to die down before they come up with another one. You can actually kind of track it, honestly, Uh like because it was the Roe v. Wade overturning. And then like six months before that, there was some other really controversial decision. They they definitely have a PR team. Oh, yeah, they definitely do. Oh, no, right. no fucking. Well, if they have an Instagram, they have a PR team. Oh, you have, to, you have to in this day and age. Yeah. Anyway, uh, play the video of the uh, water, the, the the squirrel water skiing. Now, <laughs> I do have. Um, of, I, I do have kind yeah. of a, a, a sort of a, a funny headline. At least as a headline, it's pretty funny. Harvard professor who studies dishonesty is accused of falsifying data. 
That's your best article about Harvard people right now? What about that guy that was selling bones? <laughs> I haven't heard this one. Someone was selling bones in Harvard? You don't know about this? No, there was like a, the, the, head of the, the head of the morgue at Harvard. Oh, I've been um, looking for yeah, yeah. It was, well, I know a guy. Um, yeah, uh, he, well, he's dealing with some stuff right now. But you know, <laughs> Harvard morgue manager charged with selling human remains. Up, oh, pretty cut and dry. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, hey, yeah. Real quick, guys. Uh, how many bones do you have? Just, um, just check. Human or animal? <laughs> whatever. It, whatever. Whatever. Wikipedia says plus one. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, guys? Okay, yeah, that, that human skull you have in your closet, right? Consider this hog cranked. <laughs> if you guys, uh, if you guys woke up in a bathtub full of ice and you were missing just a couple bones, not like super important ones, but like, would you tell anybody? Um, it depends. How would I know that they're missing? <laughs> would I have extra range of motion? You have like a floppy arm? Is that how you know? You're like, huh? I'm pretty sure that bent only one way before this. Hold on, hold on. Heads, brains, skin, bones, and other human remains stolen and sold. So it wasn't just bones. It was like just random, random pieces of a body that they could get away with. Wow. Um, it makes me think of that. Uh, there was that company a couple years back that was uh, like bodies would get donated to medical science or something like that, but they would just end up with this company and the company would sell them for whatever. And like somebody found out their grandma got strapped to a chair and blown up with C4 by the, by the department, by the, it was by the DOD. Like they were testing to see the effects of like concussion damage from explosives. But you know, how do you figure that out? You have to explode a granny. I'm wondering. Yeah, you, have to, you have to use an 80 year old corpse. <laughs> Otherwise, there's no way to know. That's the only way. I mean, that's the, that's the standard. You know, it has to be an elderly woman. Otherwise, how do you measure brain activity after you <laughs> blow up a corpse? I don't think that was the goal. <laughs> you, you, you just see how many no, dents no, are in the head no, and you round up. No, like, like, like a concussion wave. Oh, you know, I'm not smart enough to even know what you're talking it's, about. It, well, either way, I think I found a great way we can get rid of Supreme Court justices. Hey, hey, hey. Take it easy. We're turning away from the stairs already. Come on. I'm just saying that like, loyalty. we could donate them for the good of everyone. Like we could make a collective decision as a group, you know, as a as a country to say for the, the further of uh, explosive research, we could... I love how we started this by having a, a very serious conversation about like not wishing death upon people. And now you're just full blown. Like let's donate. <laughs> no, I, well, I, I wasn't saying, you know, we should do that. I was just saying anybody could do that. <laughs> I'm I'm like, I'm abdicating responsibility by here, here by using the democratic process, which is what by and large people do. <laughs> We say that it was the system as a whole deciding to uh, cause all of this damage. So that way it's not any one individual's fault. Right, right. Jeez. Spread the blame. Um, in some news that's maybe more on the occult side, I suppose, uh, Nanograph's 15-year journey reveals a cosmic hum. What's it sound like? A face, sir. Yeah, I... I mean, I don't know. They didn't release the recording, I don't think, bud. Uh, you know, it's... I'm sure... I'm sure the, oh, there it is. the there it is. UFO fans are going nuts. 
Oh shit, it's in the room with us. <laughs> is, is, the, is the cosmic hum in the room with us right now? Hum twice <laughs> Josh said. <laughs> yeah, it's um I don't know. Like I I feel like we're really dismissive of like UFO type things, but I know that's like a big thing for a lot of people in the occult. So I always like to give them a bone now and then. Well, how's it? But not I mean, like the Harvard guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a reference to earlier. That's a callback. <laughs> um, how does this relate? How does this relate to the UFO phenomena, though? Um, the idea I'm, of, like there's gravity waves everywhere, so maybe the aliens are using the gravity waves, or yeah, I think so. I'm not going to read this whole thing. It's very, it's mostly scientific, but the person that threw it at me was going like, oh, hey, check this out, and then related it to aliens somehow. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't okay. have much you got to me. say about it. You got me. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah, I don't dismiss UFOs either. I mean, like, some of them are pr- probably real, you know? I know that I know that some of them have to be. I just don't know which instances. I, I would guess it's probably a combo of like real craft and like inner experiences all being mixed into like a whole. Yeah, I I think like most things, the phenomena of UFOs are probably very real for a large amount of people. I don't know if that translates to a physical reality or a, a materialistic reality. If that makes sense, I don't know if there's like yeah yeah, but. At the same time, I do always remember the thing from Prometheus Rising where Robert Anton Wilson talks about, like, all right, imagine some people saying that they saw a UFO. And then a reporter starts showing up, and everybody has their own spin they want to put on the story of, you know, dumb hicks think they see flying saucer versus true believers talking about this. Then government agencies start showing up. These government agencies have their own spin that they're trying to do. Then people show up trying to sell like UFO cult t-shirts. And then, you know, Yuri Gallagher shows up and says, uh, (laughs) says like, uh, Hey, I psychically communicated with it and this, that, and the other. And by the end of it, you have 15 different agencies or agendas fighting it out and we're no closer to the truth of what any of these people saw. We just have a lot of different narratives and stories about the one particular incident. And I think that's why you never get to the heart of any of this UFO stuff. Sounds about right. Yeah. Excellent, excellent analysis. Do we have one we want to go out on? Hold on, hold on, wait. Oh, there's a bear eating a pumpkin. Oh, boy, isn't that a kooky headline? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I, I got nothing. I, I don't think that there's a, like a super kooky, like last time when Louie was on, we had spaghetti in the woods, but I, I don't have anything that'll top that. The best I got is ketchup company clears the air on how you should store the popular condiment. Oh God. I look, we're already too polarized as a nation. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lay it out. Who, where does it, does it go in the fridge or go in the cupboard guys? Oh, don't make me pick. Fridge, fridge, fridge. Once it's opened, before it's opened, covered. I'm with John. Yeah, that's what I said. Actually, boom. <laughs> <laughs> All three of us oh. are in agreement, and Louis isn't saying anything. I guess you, your your silence speaks volumes. Well, you know, I I have like a job, and like I, you know, I don't. I want to be careful what I say on here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. All right. Well, there's your news for the week. Sorry it was um mostly stuff you already knew and the things that you knew about us pretty much came out already. So if you aren't look, if you're getting your news from this show, <laughs> not only are you like two weeks behind, yeah. but oh boy. Really? Well, in that case, co-host, did you do what you were supposed to do? In fact, I did. I have wonderful. I have a great many things to share with you as far as uh, our recurring segment of interview with a wizard, where we look at the book interview with a wizard by Peter J. Carroll, which is a compilation of about six different interviews that he engaged with over uh, a number of months and then actually just stuck all together in a book. But what we do is that we like to take a look at the question, take a look at Carol's answer, say this is a bad answer, and then give better answers so that we can hear the correct opinions. And I figured since there's four of us, we'll have an exponentially greater chance to hear the correct opinion. <laughs> where, so where? So basically, I'm... You're having me commit to having to be correct. I mean, I'm going to have to really think carefully well, about what every, I said. You're on this <laughs> podcast, so you are therefore burdened with uh, undeniable genius and objective correctness in everything. And you don't even have, you don't even have to try. You just say something, and like we're going to have we're all going to have to assume that you're right because you're saying it. And then we can implement what we know is best for everybody yeah. and and upon everybody else. Yes, in some sort of like dictatorial manner in a yeah. centralized yes. authority, through, I believe. Through yeah, prescription through, through the threat of force. Yeah, through the threat of force and coercion. Everybody else <laughs> I mean it's <laughs> look, I'm just saying uh, if like, you don't agree with me, you're going down the stairs. <laughs> uh, well come on guys. You know, we that you could Somebody might fall down the stairs. <laughs> All right. You're right. You're right. So look, we're, we'll you, just let's found the good questions. This, let's add this disclaimer that we do not advocate violence of any kind against anyone for political purposes. There are much better, more civilized and rational ways to decide who and where and how someone might accidentally end up at the bottom of stairs. I don't know. Maybe they fell. Maybe they lied. Maybe they laid down because they were tired. I don't know. But like we would never suggest anyone do harm to another person. But it, you know, things they're, just happen. Yeah, they're probably just taking a nap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What'd you find for us? The first ones, the first two are uh, pretty similar. But it, it deals with the idea of uh, space exploration and extraplanetary colonization or whatever you'd want to call it, right? Where, okay, well, there you go, UFO people. We got something for you, I guess. Yeah. Well, and, and I think uh, Elon Musk probably features in these heavily because he's the big proponent of the Mars colony and SpaceX. But um, the first question is, excited about the potential for a moon base? And then... It, Peter Carroll's answer is three crude moon landings were driven by political motives with the USA and the USSR striving to demonstrate their prowess to the world. We already knew there was nothing worth bringing back from the moon and that uncrewed machines could have accomplished that mission at a small fraction of the price. 
hate to say it, I kind of I kind of agree with him on a certain level where it's like we do know for a fact it's like, yeah, what's up on the moon? Rocks. Yeah, I mean, well, be careful when you say for a fact. That's like true. if you're, you're gonna right, use you're, right. if you're gonna use empiricism, there could be we don't want to use colloquialisms like for a fact because yeah. we didn't know until we went there. But it could have been you know cheese. My money, it could have been made of cheese. That's what I'm saying, dude. You're right. No, Maybe you're right. it could have been, it, it, there could have been any number of crazy shit up there until we actually looked. And but, I don't think, but any, that's not where my money would be. Yeah. My money wouldn't be on that necessarily. But yeah. like, you know, we had the wonderful audio documentary of Dark Side of the Moon to explain that the only thing that was on the other side of the moon was <laughs> just progressive rock and um, very touchy <laughs> themes. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess I, I, I agree mostly with that, but you know, why is he concerning himself so much with the cost of this? Was it just yeah, like, yeah, like, are you, uh, does he usually care about, uh, federal budgeting or is this just an excuse to, um, cast judgment freely? Yeah, I mean, um, he's also British. Like, he, it wasn't even him. Right, uh, right, right, right. Well, it's so. It's, so I don't think that you're. I don't think it's wrong to categorize the space race as a technological pissing contest between. It definitely superpowers. was a pissing contest. You know, yeah. I don't like that's that is a that's a pretty accurate assessment, or at least you can you can very easily see that line of logic. At the same time, the space race created a huge technological boon considering everything that was developed to get a, you know, three yahoos up on the big rock. That's true. Yeah. And it also made the shining cause they gave Stanley Kubrick all that money to fake the moon landing. <laughs> huge shining guy, huge Dr. Sleep guy too. Dr. Sleep. Oh, don't, one. don't good sleep one. on Dr. Sleep, man. Good, <laughs> good sequel. Good sequel. Honestly, Dr. Sleep made the shining feel like a prequel. <laughs> <laughs> really i haven't seen it uh, i mean it's it's not that's, as the it's shining not as is, art. the the shining is yeah. a prequel to the that's the joke he's making i know yeah. but i'm, I'm oh, just okay. i like oh. i said i i forgot that dr sleep was even a thing until louis oh, reminded dude. me yeah watch it it's not it's not as artful it's not as enjoyable in the artful sense like the 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 creative decisions behind the shining like definitely uh trump dr sleep but the story of dr sleep and it's it's a good adventure and really expands upon like the the rules of engagement of the universe that it, that it's written and um kind of thing yeah go go watch it or, or read it read it whatever you know i i didn't read it i mean i do read books don't get me wrong but like you know i've read a few chapters of every book i own um <laughs> and uh <laughs> um i'm i'm literate but I watched the movie, and that's what I'm talking about right now. Do uh, sorry, you, no, 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 you're fine. I uh, I appreciate you advocating for something you thought was good. I mean, shit, yeah, because I haven't seen it either. But I'll probably take time out of my very busy schedule to watch it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, does anybody else have any opinions on the idea of a, a lunar colony? My problem, right, would be that if Earth gets completely destroyed, your means of maintaining the lunar colony go kaput anyway so it's not like it's a it's a big jump to like save humanity or anything yeah but i mean what if they have moon money <laughs> yeah yeah moon box, but they don't have moon resources well don't be so sure maybe how did they check the dark side because that might be cheese. <laughs> that's, where the cheese that's where all the cheese in the water is right <laughs> They can do a cheese export economy, oh, you know, and then the, and then 
know, maybe we'll find a different planet to export the cheese to if everything goes to Kukort on Earth. All right. So the second, I like the idea of a lunar colony that's like an actual colony where you know, like it secedes from the Earth and becomes its own thing. The they did attacks on our cheese, and we we seceded. What's what's the word for nationalism on a planetary scale? Oh boy, some Earth for the Earthling shit, right? What would the moon flag look like? Man, that's a good question. Like the Japanese flag, but it's like white on white. So it's just a okay. white flag. <laughs> 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 well, they should have. They should have thought that before they started the war. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The second. The the second question is Mars colony. Like it's literally just Mars colony and a question mark. Full <laughs> <laughs> question. Well, you didn't. Like uh, yeah, that changes everything. That puts a whole new paint job on things. <laughs> you didn't like the um, first one, but maybe you like the second one. <laughs> but it's uh, sending humans to Mars in a reaction thrust vessel would prove insanely expensive, and even more so if we attempt to bring them back. Mars, like the moon, just consists of a lifeless rock where human survival would be desperate and hideously expensive business. So, again, kind of the same. I don't know. People live in Arizona. (laughs) They do. You call that living? Like a lizard. (laughs) Yeah, although he does make a good point about the, the the current level of technology that we have for interplanetary and interstellar travel is... It hasn't developed nearly as much as our technology for like uh, making my apps sync up with my toaster. You know, we've, we've got yeah, there's that's, convenience, but like we're convenience. Technology. Yeah, we're, but we're still essentially just strapping explosives to uh, aerodynamic cones and hoping for the best. And I know that's that's a huge injustice to the amount of technology and. Uh, engineering prowess that goes into these things but essentially we're still just shooting rockets and there's only so fast you can go with the rocket and it's a it's it's a hell of an issue to maintain it so as he said it's really expensive to get them there it'll be really expensive if you wanted to get them back and you'd have to either you'd have to essentially just set up these huge colonies of life support systems that are once again like the moon you're just getting all the food and water and stuff that you need from earth and sending it over there. And if anything happened to interrupt that supply line, you're fucked. Well, I can't argue with that last point, but I will say as devs advocate here, like, you know, we were walking by just our feet for a really long time. And like, just because like horses collapse of heat exhaustion doesn't mean we shouldn't have a horse and buggy and that maybe yielded like automobiles, so, like, I don't know, maybe there's a better way to do this that they're going to figure out through their silly launching rockets. But uh, the, 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 the connecting the resources to the planet and the trade to the planet, Earth is definitely something where it's like, now you're talking about sending resources back and forth all the time. Like, can we afford to even do that? You know, Does and what happens if something happens here? And, yeah, then, then what do they do over there with no resources? Like, yeah. you know. That's a huge, huge plot hole. <laughs> well, no, it's going to be fine because the Mars colony will secede along with the lunar colony. They'll, they'll be the united planets of the solar system. They'll have a, <laughs> a red and white striped flag with two stars. And, and we'll be the new Britain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we just need an Earth King now, right? 
Like, one true king. One, you know, <laughs> one, like imagine a king of the world, you know, like uh, like Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, who? Even if Jesus doesn't come back, whoever we pick to rule the whole planet would be, you know, uh, empowered and had divine right to do so yeah. by the by the one true God. Yeah, that's true. Right. That's, yeah, that's a great. I think that's a great idea. Think about it. Just, just <laughs> listeners, just like I'm just saying is like when you really think about what's going on, we've got these incredibly wealthy individuals that are just pissing their money away, getting it, getting imploded in submersibles and trying to send up tin cans that explode and all that stuff. And then you've got the the legal system in quotes of just yahoos and fancy dresses telling you how you should live. Why don't we just go back to the time when God decided who is in charge? And we gave some and who gets down the stairs. Exactly. Who gets to live and who goes down the stairs. And it's all part of God's plan. You know, that's what I'm saying. Can I ask real quick, how long ago were those questions asked and answered? Uh, this, this, uh, the book came out. And I don't mean 10 minutes, uh, you know, I mean. No, no, no. This, this book, uh, this book came out last year. So I imagine. Okay. Worst case, what? The beginning. This was this was at the beginning of 2022. So okay. these are these are still very fresh. I don't think that like like SpaceX was definitely a thing while these questions were being asked. Right. All right. What else you got? Because I'm done with space. Well, yeah, uh, I'm done. Let's go. I'm done with the woods. Okay. Well, there's one where it's talking about generational ships, where the idea of like getting these large sustainable systems, where like generations of people are born and die on the ships till you get to your very, very far away destination. And he says more or less the same thing of like it's incredibly expensive, it's an inefficient use of resources, and it just seems like a really bad idea because lots of shit can go wrong when you have your entire population in a big tin can in in you know free fall gravity. And I see a, a good a good interviewer knows when to cut certain questions out. When the first two questions that were almost the same and probably didn't need to be separated, like you could have just asked the moon and Mars, and like the answer is pretty much the same because logistically and everything, it's like almost the same. Yeah, um, it's just really going this, for it. Yeah, you get the same answer twice, and it's like, let me ask a third question that I already know the answers. Like, yeah. like you, that's when you move on yeah. to the next one. Now, the only you know? the the last parting thought that I will put on this is that in the same way that the space race created a huge technological leap for us in a lot of ways, that sort of space exploration of trying to figure out how to maybe not even getting to the point where we have a Mars colony, but just trying to actually get there might create who knows what kind of advancements that could make life better for the rest of us on this little green rock, you know? So I don't want to put anything out of hand, but I do think that sadly Carol is right on the money in the idea that a lot of these are very impractical ideas given how limited our technology is, but how does your technology get better? You got to experiment with shit. Why sadly is he right? Do we have? <laughs> oh, because uh, I, I want to be able to say, ha ha, Carol, you're wrong. <laughs> well you could you could you could pick something to that we we could cherry pick something yeah, exactly. to shit on no 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 it's i mean uh i i have honestly as a as a coyote i have a a lot of admiration for carol but in the same way of like kill your idols you know you when somebody's yeah. when somebody's wrong you want to be like yeah you're wrong so wily coyote <laughs> that's the second time somebody has interjected that while we were talking 
<laughs> anyway, um, the next one I think might be a little more of a, an interesting discussion where he talks about the question is, what's the relationship between important ideas and humor? Uh, this has nothing to do with space and planets. <laughs> I wanted a fifth space and planet. <laughs> I'm going to paraphrase his answer here, but it's the idea that there is something that links the, the moment of epiphany or realization or eureka with that same kind of subverted expectation that comes from like a clever joke or, a, or a something unexpected that makes you laugh. There seems to be something about this idea of thinking you understood something and then showing that you didn't that makes you go, huh, and that can turn into laughter. It can turn into inspiration, but they seem to be in a way linked. And I think that is not a, not an incorrect way of looking at it. The fool on the hill cackling, and you're not really sure why, but obviously there, there's some sort of sensation of, of Eureka. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that humor is something that, gets not like forgotten about in mysticism so much as it doesn't get it doesn't get um articulated very well like because so much of the zen tradition is just hilarious shit on its nose right you just hear all these stories about like these fucking uh i remember um i think it was alan watts or somebody probably just talking about the idea of like people that are enlightened, but still have some hold to the normal everyday world, something that makes them human still. And he was talking about a Zen master who was, you know, very strict kind of taskmaster guy. And he was told he wanted his assistant to wake him up every day at seven o'clock to go do his practice and go ring the bell at the uh, temple and stuff, except for one day out of the week. And I, think it was Sunday or some shit like that and where he got to sleep in and he woke up one day not realizing what day it was and he freaked the fuck out on his um assistant the whole time and the guy just lets him go because you know it's his master he's he can't just talk back and then when he finally he's like why didn't you wake me up he's like well because it's Sunday and he and he just instantly was like oh okay and there's a lot of these kind of humorous tales I mean honestly if you read like the gateless gate and shit like that you get all these like tales that are just kind of like people being fucking goofy as fuck all the time. And you have to really kind of wonder if there's something to the idea of being able to laugh. That's going to get you to somewhere spiritual. Yeah. Or whether that, or whether or not there's a correlation between heightened awareness and the ability to laugh at yourself. Yeah, I agree. I guess part of it is like uh, coping with paradox. Cause I feel like when you know any, any metaphysical, Endeavor is going to have to cope with some sort of like paradox. Uh, but laughter is a way to sort of deal with that and break the ice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Put you in a position to, to apprehend it a little bit more. Yeah. For all the negative things I said about um, Lon Milo in an interview that's going to be out, um, Lon's great for that because Lon's a really funny guy. Like, if you want to, if you want to get someone that will get ideas across to you, Lon will tell you very funny stories that you leave with like a little bit of like, oh shit, I actually, I, I think I got something out of this. Yeah, he's he's good at that sort of thing. Laughing, laughing, I think lets your guard down and like makes makes things more uh, easily integrated when you're in that state. Maybe so like. Perhaps uh, 
like who like now like i don't know this is just rhetoric but like maybe it's even like an evolutionary thing that like you know you do to make yourself more accessible to some sort of like growth or something that might otherwise be uncomfortable so you guys you guys know john cleese from monty python yeah, yeah, I've seen him he, do live. Really? Yeah, yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah. He, he like played like clips. Out, he played outtakes and unreleased skits that nobody has, like that he pulled from his personal archives, and like, and then he like talked in between and told his stories and stuff. And it was uh, like 50, 50 bucks to sit twenty feet away from him. It was a very intimate experience, actually. That sounds like hell, a yeah. wonderful time. I I do remember yeah. watching a a talk that he gave where he talked about the relationship between humor and like this sort of idea. But what it, what it comes down to is, is that I think that often you have this, this notion with people that the idea of being serious about something means being somber about it, where the idea is that if you laugh about something, if you make a joke while you're in the middle of a quote unquote serious discussion, you've created, you've committed some sort of faux pas or that you are, you're not giving it the, the, the degree of severity that it deserves. The idea that if something is important, we're all supposed to just like have our, our frowny faces on and talking very sternly. And he's, and I think that stifles conversation. And I, I heard that and I, I agreed with it very heartily. I mean, I think a big portion of this show is using humor in a disarming way, or at least in a way that keeps you a little relaxed and lively and being like, ha ha, you know, you know, funny yahoos talking on the talking on the internet box but then we we use that as a means to have conversations that at the very least can lead to serious thoughts or lead to thought-provoking things and um you know sometimes we're guilty of using it as the (laughs) as the thing that just keeps the ball rolling on conversation when it's like well shit i don't have a meaningful or important answer i better say something about stairs or jesus christ but sometimes Sitting right here. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Are you oh, implying just, that Jesus Christ is not an important thing that it should always be brought into the conversation? That's not that funny to me. I mean, he G- Jesus Christ he, super stares. Got it. <laughs> average God enjoyer. <laughs> All right, but I, I do think that there's there really is a link between the the same thing that. Um, you know, maybe it's that uh, thing of it's not true if it doesn't make you laugh, but it you don't understand it till it makes you cry. It's like there's something about humor and a deep realization of things that can often be joined. And maybe it's like Josh said, it's like that is part of the paradox of certain things is that they can really they hit you on a very deep level. And you're like, all right, well, this is horrifying. You're on a certain in a certain way and in a certain way. It's very funny. <laughs> and you just have to hold both poles. I think when you're aware, you can step back out of your own shoes and like look at it from a from like a third person perspective, or not completely, but like more so than maybe somebody else. And it also depends on like how jarred you are by a situation. Like you might not be in that state of mind, but generally speaking, like yeah, I think what what John Cleese was saying about uh, you know it being like a social standard that like you're not allowed to laugh about something that you care about like or that you're supposed to look like you care about like i i joke about that stuff all the time man like and 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 the the net difference is zero yeah you know like other than other than like i got to smile you know yeah but i also you know the correlation between intelligence and humor i don't know i'm i'm not that funny and i'm pretty dumb (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Actually, in fact, I didn't even notice that correlation. Um, <laughs> technically, maybe yes. <laughs> uh, what else you got? Here's another question that I thought was interesting on a, a practical magic level. How important is the mastery of no mind to the results of magic? And I, what he means by that is how important is the ability to suspend active conscious thought to getting magic to work? And to paraphrase his answer without, because it's a couple paragraphs, if you can stop thinking, you can do anything. I reckon that remains the most powerful and dangerous phrase ever uttered. And then he relates this to the idea of uh, doubt and fear and all of these things are things that happen because you're consciously apprehending something rather than just doing it. And that very often Mm -hmm. the goal to be successful at something is to be so engrossed in it that you cease active thought or to be so well-trained in something that things are now automatic rather than uh, a conscious awareness of the doing. And that made me think of flow states where the idea of when you balance that right level of challenge and engagement, you can reach these states where you're not, it's not so hard that you're overwhelmed, but it's, just challenging enough that you're still engaged, that you don't get bored. And then you have that perpetual turning wheel of, all right, great. I'm in this. I'm doing it. 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 And then all of a sudden, shit, I've been doing this for three hours and it felt like 15 minutes. Now, when you take that and apply it to occult practice, it becomes very easy to see how those two ideas are related goes back to this. One of the stories that Louie talked about when he was on the, the show last time about meditating for what felt like 20 minutes and it was two hours. And entering that state of being, um, it's very similar to like doing, doing 10,000 hours to the point where something can become automatic. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. D- does entering a state of being grease the wheels? Josh? Well, you know what? I've always been a little confused, uh, actually, about like the use of the word gnosis from the Peter Carroll uh, angle. But I think that kind of hits on it, where it's it's uh, it's doing something where you're only or coming real close to only doing it and not necessarily thinking about it or thinking about anything else. So there is there's just the doing rather than the 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 awareness or the thinking about doing. Exactly, everything is in doing it in that moment. And that's it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's when some of the best music's made. Oh, yeah. That reminds me of like a, a solid, like, especially improv jam based stuff where you're just like, you're in the zone, you're really going at it. You're, oh, like when I saw the, the dish moment, man. The moment you think again, the moment you think again, you hit a wrong note. Yeah. And you're yeah, like, yeah. why did I think? <laughs> this goes back to my philosophical hobby horse, guys. I hate to tell you. But like that's the exact thing that I'm always harping on when I'm talking about um, Herbert Dreyfus and the um, the Dreyfus model of skill acquisition. That's the entire point, and that's like the the biggest thing. That's like the thing that I always bring up when I'm trying to talk about getting beyond such a cognitive, mental understanding of chaos magic. It's that sort of idea. Is like what because what I really think it is is that it's not even. It's it's not even like um your flow state kind of thing where you're talking about you know the balance of challenge and while still being engaged with it. I think it's 
It's beyond that. What it is is that you have to get to the point where you develop a skill or a practice to the point that you're so engaged with it that there's no mental phenomenon at all. You're not thinking about it. Like it's like riding a bike. Wait, 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 wait. If, when you're not yeah. thinking, like like when you're dragon pilled, is that what I'm hearing? Yes, when you're you have to be incredibly dragon pilled, man. Well, that's the whole point. Like it's like riding a bike or driving a car. You don't when you first learn how to do it, yeah, like you have to think about oh, I got to make sure I hit the brake here or I got to focus on staying up. Right. Doing good Uh, magic is entirely about that. It's, you have to be able to do it. Go ahead. No, that's a mysticism mysticism angle. I think the practices associated with mysticism give you that, like, that poise, that mental, emotional, physical poise to, like, sit there for a long time or Mm -hmm. focus on one thing or, you know, yeah, yeah. It, It gives you access to better magic, essentially. Yeah, um, and, go ahead. And, familiar, and, and familiarity with how to set the stage for next time. Oh um, yeah, that's exactly what I'm getting at. Like that's that's my whole theory is like it's it's familiarity with the situation and what you're doing. Plus, I've 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 done some of my best driving when I'm not paying any attention, <laughs> especially when I'm drunk. <laughs> no, but don't you need like don't you need a a sort of map or a roadmap or a system something to sort of structure it in order to to make it reliable again to be able to come back to something again and again wouldn't that be pragmatic it, it would be pragmatic <laughs> but it's also against kind of like the like the, the feel of uh of denying uh systems that already exist I, well I, I guess that's always been like kind of a, a oh, point for me no i get where, i get where josh is coming from he's saying that the the fact that chaos magic tries to deny any sort of uh, overall coherent system and the idea of like, well, all of the systems work. It's like, well, yeah, all of the systems work, but you still have to have some sort of structure. If you were to something, yeah. If you put an emphasis on pragmatism, then it needs to be replicable to I, some extent. And it can like, you know, maybe it comes to a point where you change it again, but like, you know, obviously you're going to do this, something that worked twice. I, I don't, I have this whole thing. This is maybe a bit of a tangent of like magic and replicability, replicability. Like does, does it need to be replicated? I don't know for you it does, but like, does it, does it need to be like so hardcore systematized? I'm not, I'm not sure. No. Yeah. No. Do I need to get the same job twice? No, I don't. I mean, I, I always go back to the fact that like, I mean, you know, maybe it's a Heraclitus, you know, you can't step into the same river twice kind of bullshit, but you're never in the exact same situation anyway. So the idea that magic has to be replicable, quote unquote, oh, never makes not, sense to me. No, not asking for the same thing twice, just like, you know, tapping into whatever it is you tapped into the first time. Would you posit that there's no um, connective, like, like consistent connective tissue? Well, like, use a use a cheap metaphor here, right? I might not have to cook the same steak every day, but I need to understand how my fucking stove works, right? That's what I'm talking my about. Stove needs to stove. Be, I need to have a certain level of understanding of this is how you cook. I'm not going to make the same meal every time, but I need to understand the very basics of this is hot. If I stick my hand on it, it's going to hurt. But if I stick the chicken breast on there, it's going to cook. And that's magic. Maybe I'm, I'm saying need to season your chicken (laughs) what i think i'm losing maybe i'll like i said maybe i'll lose on the metaphor here but i think what i'm getting at here is developing a skill in this case magic to the point that you're going to be able to cook without that particular stove every time 
with any sort of stove, if you get what I'm getting at, or a fire or, you know, the hot engine, I guess, you know, that sort of idea. Empty handed magic. Yeah, exactly. Mm, yeah, that's well, another. Well, what are, what are we referring to as as the stove or as heat? Is it tools or is it intent? Like? I think it would be the system, I guess, in, in this metaphor. Oh, the system? Yeah, sure. The system can change. But like I'm talking about like tapping into an intent and tapping like the same reason that you would even bother meditating. Like that for me is a pretty consistent, uh, a, a, a constant oh. that I can't imagine operating without. Like I would not even bother trying to like meditate if i was like very drunk for instance like there are there are some constants right well, like, yeah well i think we're talking about like the will at the, that point then right aren't we in a way yes yeah. yes it's like clear clear-mindedness like not being riddled with drugs and alcohol for instance like Whoa. like when you when you try to do something that not i'm not talking about right now <laughs> I, mean, I mean if i was going to do a ritual in, in the same way that like i think we've all had moments where you recognize there's a certain level of say, you know, not even drugs and alcohol, but like say emotional instability where it's like, you're really upset by something or, or something's really bothering you or, you know, or, or even maybe more physical things of like, I'm just fucking exhausted. If I were to try to meditate right now, if I were to try to do a ritual right now, it just wouldn't right. go well because I'm not in the position that I need to, to actually make this work. Yeah. Maybe that has something to do with like the grimoire, purification path processes of like, you know, taking multiple days to do certain things and yada, yada. That's kind of getting you into that. Like, that's true. That's true. Wow. There's a, there's definitely, there's a lot of rich, there's a lot of ritual practices that are about recognizing that and saying, all right, fine, we're going to spend, you know, we're going to do three preliminary things before we even get to the actual operation of just getting you in the place you need to be to do the spooky woo woo. Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's entirely what, like, the daily banishing ritual kind of practice is about, too. It's trying to keep you within a state where you can do those sorts of things, right? That's so much of, I think that's so much of um, magic in general is, and I guess it really goes back to the sort of idea of what we're getting at to begin with here is, you know, if you want to talk about replicability, if you want to talk about the ability to actually do magic on a consistent basis and know how to do it that's part of it is understanding that like well you know i've worked you know 60 plus hours this week i've gotten four hours of sleep and i haven't been doing any of my meditation practice for the last two weeks i'm probably not in a position where i can go fucking talk to shiva right yeah 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 not enough allegorical hygiene mm-hmm. yeah yeah well hygiene, yeah. I've got one more question that I think is it's kind of a fun one, honestly, and hopefully we get some halfway decent answers out of here. I love fun. Are there any magical entities that have been helping you for a while? And Carol talks about early in his magical career, uh, Baphomet, as uh, shown by Levy, was something that he invoked a lot. And that's something that comes up a lot in the early IoT stuff, like the mass of. Then he talks about Uranus. Uh, or Uranus, either way, it's a, it's a sort of God form of pure magic, uh, crowned. It, it, I remember this operation cause I was talking about it a couple days ago, but it's like crown the crowned with the serpent, that sort of thing. And it's this, uh, it's this idea of, uh, a, a God form that invokes the, the magician personality or that magician archetype in the practitioner through the invocations, which is a neat one. It's, it's kind of effective. Then he talked about, uh, 
leading to a entirely new goddess that he had created called uh, Apophenia, which I believe shows up in uh, a couple of his later books where he actually describes the processes and qualities and sort. So we're going from a very classical uh, God form or whatever you want to call it to a, a more of a, a syncretized God form to a completely new God form. And it shows an interesting progression. And he talks about how this led to a, a Neo Lovecraftian sort of uh model that he worked in for a bit. And did, and did he, did he create it or did he perceive it and then just report back? I suppose as, that is a, a question for Mr. Carroll, right. but he describes it as an entirely new goddess, but he doesn't specify as in, uh, he, he says may or may not exist, <laughs> but I, that's, sure. that's all the gods, I guess. Um, yeah. But that also goes to the DKMU, where if you talk to the DKMU, they say, oh, well, none of the god forms that we have were made up. They were discovered. They were found. <laughs> and then you'll talk to more chaos magicians that are like, yeah, I made this god up, but it still works. So, so that kind of relates on getting a little bit more personal. Like, I, I've been for a while now years uh trying to work like really really specifically work without any names or or any type of calling card or anything and what i've i think i think i found uh is that the same entities can show up sort of in different forms which are kind of communicate sort of like communications about like what their where their agency is where they can or can't take action maybe how they're feeling i, I don't know i'm kind of like not saying this concretely but just kind of throwing it out as like what, what I'm thinking at. Um, so I've been working with like, I guess the genius loci, like pr pretty hard for a while. Um, mm. And I've found that like, I found that I have a few different more traditional forms that, that I've now over a long period of time, like multiple years, but kind of associated with, with, with them. And it's, it's weird. I haven't pinpointed it at all yet, but it's kind of seems to change seasonally. It seems to change, uh, I, I honestly I haven't really figured it out yet, but it seems to change. I can say that much. <laughs> um, like a few, few like like go to faces that sort of like all kind of pull that what I really feel like is like really ultimately the same thing, but can only ever like reach me through like certain windows, like symbolic windows that like will kind of give a little clue as to like what you know where where their hands are, what they can do, what they can't do, yada yada. Um, so it really reminds me of that, um, because, because I, I wonder if the names are even that important or, or do the names just refer to like large, more, to or, more archetypal powers that kind of like, as things fall down, like manifest in the specific areas of the land itself. Uh, that's, that's, yeah, that's kind of, that's like my, my working, uh, my working theory at the moment, but that sounds like I got really excited when you, when you read that. Cause I was like, oh shit, that's like, that really relates to, to what I've been thinking lately. So oh, nice. Okay. Well. Yeah, and I, I, I get what you're saying in that, and there's sort of that maybe archetypal, or uh, I've heard it described as, a, as soft polytheism before, where it's the notion of there are multiple gods, but every god appears in multiple faces, like that sort of thing, rather than the, the one true god, Jesus Christ, the only son of God. You know, the, the, but, <laughs> no, but, uh, but I've heard that, and then again, the, the Jungian archetypal, or even, you know, you, you can say archetype and not, be a Jungian, so, but that, yeah, yeah, but all these are like different, different uh, linguistic sets to describe something that ultimately can't really be mm -hmm. specified and mm -hmm. is like personally received always. I'll, so. I'll say on a personal level, I've had a thing involving uh, 
for la- it, when it first showed up, it showed up as the Minotaur, like you know, like in the labyrinth type thing, like the from Crete. <laughs> but as uh, I, I sort of went down the rabbit hole of exploring this particular uh, visage that appeared to me, it showed up in a whole host of other things that are like. I'd look at it and think, oh, is this something new? And then it's like, oh, no, you're, this is the same guy. You're, you're still trying to – you're still – I think I'm done. And then it's, oh, you show up again. You know, now you're Yamantanka and, or now you're, uh, now you're Rudra. Now you're that, you know, that sort of thing where it's like, you know, I, I wouldn't try to argue that these things are a – like on a level of like scholarly or historically the same thing. But in the experiential way that I dealt with them – these were the same thing. And it, you know, Baphomet even plays into that too. It's uh it's not quite horned God, but there's some, <sighs> there's some sort of uh thing involving dualism and animistic or uh, animalistic and human qualities trying to resolve opposites, that sort of stuff that like, you know, but, and, and it's all really just this sort of same, same set where it's like, it's hitting these certain check marks of like, Okay, this is the same dude showing up again. <laughs> yeah, is, is our liver us, or is it a separate thing, or is it kind of both? Mm-hmm. The, the different parts that are have different purposes for different reasons to take different forms of agency. Yeah, yeah, and then there's there's also the that thing of like, well, if I sit there long enough, can I make I can sort of make anything fit this this checklist, can't I? And then you have to wonder what part of me is assembling information this way to make every, to turn everything into a minotaur, but that's a whole on, on struggle. <laughs> Lifelong struggle. Yeah. But that's a, uh, I, I, this is part of this story that I keep dancing around where I say one day I'll talk about it, but it, cause it really comes down to, this is a time I almost drove myself crazy with magic, but you describing what you were describing was like, Hey, I've got a similar experience as far as things showing up with different faces. Nice. What about you two? Like, do you have, uh, I'm, I'm sure you both have particular entities that you have a lot of history with, but is there anything notable you want to bring up? Don't clamor for the microphone, Louie. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. I was thinking, <laughs> um, does that mean I have to talk? <laughs> you don't have to. It's just a question if you had any particular entities that you worked with a lot. Well, he said you two. So like, you know. I haven't I haven't read the whole menu yet and I would like to order in 2 minutes. <laughs> Without getting too deep into the list um I don't know I I have a pretty solid simhamuka practice that I do you know the the lion faced akini from the Tibetan uh schools I have a pretty strong and going relationship with that entity and um there's a certain entity that I will not name because we're not on speaking terms anymore. <laughs> <laughs> when you want to act like a fucking adult, we can talk. Yeah. <laughs> Demons are real. <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, I mean, like, you know, it's, it, I, I try not to have, like, I, I'll, I'll fully admit that I'm the kind of person that when I have a particular issue with something and I want a quick result, I I will go for the what's who's the god that's responsible for this? Let me let me speak to the celestial manager. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't really consider those like working relationships because I don't I don't know if the particular model I vibe with all the time even has to construe them as objectively real. 
if that makes sense. Well, I know that you and I both have a thing that when things are really, really, really going wrong and we have a problem that needs to get solved, we both go to Ganesha. Oh, yeah, yeah, Ganesha. Vigneshwara is the remover of obstacles, so I'm going to talk to him. Remove my obstacle. I would, yeah, you, I do have, you don't go bothering him when it's like, oh my, you know, the candy bar got stuck in the machine. But when think, when the chips are down and you've got nowhere else to turn, it's like, I'm a, I'm a ring up old elephant head. Cause I know he's going to. Yeah. Yeah. And I do there. We do, you and I both do, um, celebrate, uh, Ganesh Chaturthi every year. It's coming up too. get excited. Yep. yep. All right, Louie, you decide what you're ordering yet. Um, yeah. Uh so I don't know. Like I, I actually don't know. Like I know that I've that there's been like at least one the like the whole time, but I don't I not far enough to even have identified what it is. But uh I do like I the aside from that, my ancestors have been with me as long as I can remember mm-hmm. some of them. But uh, that does, I know that doesn't exactly count. Not, no, uh, no, I think ancestor yeah. worship's highly underrated in magic. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not even like worship. It's just like I, that's that's who I know is there, like a lot, yeah. like a lot. But um, I don't. Uh, I mean, and I haven't. They're got, easy. Like, they're, other... they're local. They're right there. You know, you're carrying them around in your blood. Yeah, that that and like I have a lot of their belongings and stuff like ah, that. Even better. Um, and some of their qualities and stuff like that. So and it's that just Afghan. like, I don't know. And, and the what now? And that Afghan that my grandma knitted. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, not to throw a label onto your unknown entity, but have, you're familiar with the concept of the holy guardian angel, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, that always tends to come up when these sorts of things show up. So I don't know. Just a thought. All right. I'll yeah. write that down. Well, well that kind of gets on what I was saying that like, the uh, the presentation of of a spirit doesn't necessarily have like a concrete connection with the uh, with their, their their like agency or their their essentiality. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 So maybe maybe there's some ancestor and then maybe there's some more. Right. Now here's the thing: I got told that this was, I I was told that this was Crowley, but I've never been able to actually find the quote that talks about this. But it was the concept of the transcendental other or the transcendent other. Uh, and that the idea of magic being a series of operations to simply reach out to the transcendent other and that the, the particular trappings or what, uh, of whatever you were trying to get the transcendent other to do would be, would be known through the symbols. Like, you know, the idea that you're always calling up the same person, but when you call up this person under the guise of Aries, it understands what you want. You know, I, you know, if you, if you show up to the transcendent other with a sword, it understands that you're going to war. If you show up with, uh, you know, you show up with a cup, it understands like maybe, you know, Hey, this is for uh, wisdom or this is for love, you know, like that sort of thing. If you show up, Call, if you show up calling it Jesus Christ, it knows to show up with the beard and the, the, the flaming sacred heart. If you show up with it as a Ganapati, it knows to show up with, with elephant tusk and a trunk. But it, it, it's always this, it's not, there's, there's not even like a case of, oh, there's multiple of these entities that have multiple faces. It's the idea that there is just 
you and then there is the other and the other shows up in this infinite variety. I, I like that, but I'd argue just for fucking argument's sake, uh, couldn't it be both at the same time? Couldn't it be discrete entities that's, and also one at the same time, like as a sort of like weird Nessa doll thing we can't that's, understand? That's oh, yeah. I, I, don't, I, I, don't well, listen, like, I don't understand anything. We don't understand nothing. So it's like, there's also the concept but, of that. The, the trans, the, the transcendental other is only the other because you are, you're still holding on to the, your ego structure which is uh, cool. not to go full circle, but the psychedelic thing is that I've had moments where magic, and it's not something I can hold on to, but I've had moments where it's like, oh, magic makes perfect sense. And I understand it exactly because mm. you understand your, the, the, um, the, la- the, the lack of otherness with everything where it's like, okay, everything is, is simply connected to everything else. So that's why seemingly unexplainable phenomena is actually very simple. <laughs> I've had yeah. I've had my most measurable results when I cross that boundary. Yeah, yeah, mm. for sure. And I, I guess that, that's like a cool. <laughs> yeah, like, like at least my most impact impactful enough to be measurable. I mean, they're like describable. Like like my most potent results have come from 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 crossing the that other that I was able to, Yeah, you know, looking back, I feel like I like sort of discount. Uh, the, the impact that like especially earlier heavier psychedelic experiences had because uh yeah you know, i'm just reflecting now <laughs> on certain things like yeah yeah that uh yeah yeah there, there's a way it's the opportunity for like the symbolic and the literal to like kind of happen all at once but like in the in the in the guise of direct experience i don't know kind of it kind of like uh addresses that that uh that paradox in a way through experience yeah and i've and i've had that happen like a, 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 many times to the point where I could I could buy into what you were just describing, <laughs> but then also I've also dealt with things that really did feel like distinctly uh, like their own individual kind of thing. So I'm like, you know, I, I don't. Maybe they're not mutually exclusive. I don't know. Which oh, and well, I, there you go. Yeah, that's thing. Yeah, nothing. I, we're, we're not going to solve. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> there's benefits to. I think there's benefits to both ends of it well of looking at it both ways experiencing it in both ways and then it always does circle back to that old chaos magic saying of nothing is true everything is permitted it's like there's no objective truth to all of this at least not one that we can pinpoint yet so maybe just enjoy the buffet you know yeah and there's really there's really no material downside to buying into both absolutely but, so, not so what who yeah. I have to prove myself to anyway. Not until yeah. the one true Lord Jesus Christ comes back and throws you all into hell for being pagans well, and sinners. One team and one team only. Yeah. <laughs> As I mentioned earlier, Ten Commandments didn't say that these other things don't exist. They just said not to worship them. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but uh, not, not that that even matters what that said necessarily. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it's always good to use their own logic against them. That's all I'm saying. Very effective, yeah. and and I'm not really worshiping a lot of them. I'm really just like doing transactions. Yeah, we're just we're just this is a business. <laughs> this is a business arrangement. I'm in service, and sometimes things t- scales get tipped my direction <laughs> as a as a favor for a favor. <laughs> when 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 I'm going to Judgment Day, I'm just gonna be like, Nah, me and Ganesha are just homies. I promise. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, with that, I guess um, we're ready for the palate cleanser of the, the episodes. So we get to ask everybody in the room, how goes the work? Oh, Who wants to go? First? You know, man, I, I, I would say my work's going really good. It's going really good. Everything's uh, moving along. Very busy. <laughs> well, I, I would normally push you for more answer, but you did kind of give us an insight into what you've been dealing with for the last few years. So I think I'll let that you is, This is really the crux of it. Yeah, working, working like with the land, uh, uh, kind of trying to pretty more literally than I, I think I can express, like kind of become family with it. Uh, and that has been the meat and potatoes. And actually, magically, I've been on a little bit of a slowdown. Uh, uh, re- recent life changes that that maybe want to slow down a little bit, but uh, but yeah, that's that's the the meat and potatoes of it. Yeah, I understand. I'm kind of in the same boat. I I started a, a new job and everything, and it's got given me a lot more free time, which is great. But that's been I've been using that to get everything that's been like not been getting done from the last fucking like two years together on that. So I've just been doing like my basic practices and stuff. I did do a lot of stuff. Into I did a lot of putting out fire magic in the last like week or so, but that's because like mm. my computer died and I'm like Vulcan, please help me, and then fucking random other shit. So nothing, nothing super exciting. Nice, yeah, I agree. I feel like magic always has this this layer of uncertainty that like if there's a, enough of that going around already, I'm probably gonna try to like hold back unless it feels really necessary. Right, right. Uh, is it my turn? Sure. Again. Well, I, yeah. if you want to look at the menu for another minute, I can. I can get my <laughs> I just don't know if I want the steak or the cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah, I, I, again, I, uh, I I hate to say it, but I'm I'm working on like clearing the the path so that I can set the stage and the conditions to be more conducive to facilitate these kinds of experiences. Um, I'm always in tune and like this weird uh dual like simultaneously going with the flow while also influencing the flow in some cases like i i I, being one with the flow allows me to like point things particular directions um for better or worse but like other than that like i haven't been like uh practicing consistently i've been like trying to set set the stage in my life to 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 be able to put more time into that but um still like haven't haven't left that state of mind or that state of like operating uh just like not not being super uh regimented about it at the time well it's like you said in the last episode man is like as long as you're being mindful and aware and reflecting on the experience you're having you're still doing the work so i'm i'm absolutely and constantly doing the work um and and seeing constant results Maybe, maybe just not in the sense of like actively performing rituals consistently or anything. I haven't even been meditating as much as I should, but I am absolutely constantly doing the work and seeing seeing results from it um, for better or worse. Yeah. Ballin. What about you, co-host? Okay, I will actually go into a little bit of detail here because sometimes it's nice to actually give like weird specifics because it can remind us like sometimes things will seem really weird, but it's it's just where you got to go with it. Uh, I keep having these weird coincidental synchronistic sort of things where frogs keep showing up. And I already have a, a very long standing deal with frogs. The, the, the steamer trunk that is my altar 
was something that when I purchased it, I, I mentioned it was locked and I had to learn to lock pick to get it open. And then it was full of frogs, like, like statues of frogs and stuff, not literal. That'd be way funnier. But the point being that the symbolically frogs have always been very interesting and they've shown up again. And it's a bit like what I was saying. It's a bit like what I was saying with, uh, Oh, shit. Hold on. One second. So sorry. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck me. I know. <laughs> Do we need to, like, stop for a second to make sure that you can get that recording again? The short version is that I, I've had a weird thing with frogs, and they, they started popping up again, and kind of like what Josh and I were both talking to is like, I'm looking at this symbol and trying to figure out what guy, who is using this guys and what are they trying to communicate with me? And I'm right at the end of another section of the Lieber K thing. So it feels like in a way, this is like, all right, this, this is going to be the wrap up, isn't it? This is the, this is what, this is what needed to show up for me to have the, uh, the particular pathway to the end goal, right? So I'm, and I'm, I looked into some stuff with the new ISIS Lodge, Kenneth Grant's writings. There was already a, a sort of Cthuloid Lovecraftian connection that I was aware of. And I've even looked at some of the more earlier Indo-European stuff and, you know, things like that. So I've got a lot of mythology to work with. It's a lot more about finding what resonates while doing the works, you know, like... <laughs> seeing what pops up in while you're doing the trances and the, and the rituals and seeing like, okay, so this is what you, this is what you were trying to tell me. And, uh, I think overall it's, it's probably going to be very interesting. And, uh, like I said, sometimes more, n more specific or niche things will pop up in your practice and you just got to go with them. Nice. Nice. And with that, this has been Chaos Magic News. The only podcast that fucks up right at the last 10 minutes. <laughs> if you too would like to learn to worship the only true son of God, Jesus Christ, you can find out more on our website, chaosmagicnews.com, where we will have links to the pod, articles, and interviews with all of the most cutting edge of the occult community. You can also find some really dank memes on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Chaos Magic News. And if that isn't enough for you, I've got a rock. I'll throw it at your house. I don't know. Am I missing anything yeah. else? I've got a set of stairs. I've got a set of stairs that I'm going to stand on top of and, and just see what Bible happens. Sermon. Louis, you have any social media you want to plug? Uh, eh, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> you could, I guess you, you, if you choose to locate me for some reason, um, my Instagram is screwy underscore Louis. Um, but the, 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 the E in screwy is a three because the regular E is currently being occupied by a chocolate lab that hasn't posted since 2011 and won't answer my DM. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Josh, you have anything you want to plug? 
I, I actually don't. I don't have anything to plug. But if you do, for any reason, want to get in contact with me, harass Lou at, at, at everything he <laughs> Just go bother Louie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can ask him several times a day. I will put you in contact with this man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, sweet. On that note, um, who wants the last word? Afters. That's a word. All right. I got it. That's a word. That's it. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. We will see you next time. So the thing about the Ten Commandments, right, is that Moses comes down from uh, from Mount Sinai and he sees they're worshiping the golden calf and he gets really fucking mad and throws the tablets down. But the thing is, he forgot what the original ten were after he threw them down. So he had to rewrite them. And like everybody just like, like you know, the first one, it, who knows what the first ten were? It could have been something cool, like don't put your ketchup in the fridge. But instead, what's like one of the very first ones? Don't make graven image. And it's because he's just still mad about the cow thing. <laughs>